ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವದೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಕೆ ಸೊ ದಿಸ್ ವೀಕ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಕವರಿಂಗ್ ಶ್ಲೋಕಾಸ್ ಚತುರ್ವಿಧಾಭಜಂತೆ ಮಾಂ ಜನಾಸುಕೃತಿ ಸುಕೃತಿನೋರ್ಜುನ ಆರ್ತೋ ಜಿಜ್ಞಾಸುರಥೀ ಜ್ಞಾನೀ ಚ ಭರತ ಋಷಭ ಓ ಬೆಸ್ಟ್ ಅಮಾಂಗ್ಸ್ ದ ಭರತಾಸ್ four kinds of pious people engage in my devotion the distressed the seekers of knowledge the seekers of worldly positions and those who are situated in knowledge so in the previous uh, uh, shloka i think he talked about four types of people who who ignore him but now he's talking about uh, people who are uh, engaged in devotion chaturvidaha four kinds bhajante worship mam me janaha people sukrutinaha those who are pious arjuna arjuna arthaha the distressed jignasuhu the seekers of knowledge arthaarthi the seekers of material gain gnani those who are situated in knowledge cha and bharata rishabha the best among bharatas arjuna so rishabha is basically supposed to be it's supposed to mean bull so the best bull amongst all bulls that's what it seems to be saying okay tesham gyani nitya yuktah eka bhaktir visishyate priyo hignani notyartham aham sachamam apriyah amongst these i consider them to be the highest who worship me with knowledge and are steadfastly steadfastly and exclusively devoted to me i am very dear to them and they are very dear to me tesham amongst these gnani those who are situated in knowledge nitya yuktah ever steadfast eka exclusively bhaktihi devotion vishishyate highest priyah very dear he certainly naninaha to the person in knowledge atyartham highly aham i sa he cha and mama to me priyaha very dear lokayati 
उदारा सर्व एवैते नानी त्वात्मै वमे मतम आस्थित सहयुक्तात्मा मामे वानुत्तमाम गतिम all those who are devoted to me are indeed noble but those in knowledge who are of steadfast mind whose intellect is merged in me and who have made me alone as their supreme goal i consider as my very self udaraha noble sarve all eva indeed ete these gnani those in knowledge tu but atma eva my very self me my matam opinion astitaha situated saha he he certainly yukta atma those who are united mam in me eva certainly anuttamam the supreme gatim goal then the last one ಬಹುನಾಮ many janmanam birds ante after nanavan one who is endowed with knowledge mam unto me prapadyante surrenders vasudevah shri krishna son of vasudeva sarvam all iti tat saha tat mahaatma great soul sudurlabah very rare so i think we're covering up to 19 right today yes yes yeah okay so that's the uh, description of the shlokas and and uh, and uh, their meanings and uh, i uh, just had a quick question this format you know how, is it helping uh, is it helping at least for some of you to get a hand hand on the words and and how they they are to be split is that better okay so thanks to sakuba and uh, sakuba for helping us out on this okay so uh, to quickly summarize what we uh, discussed last week last week uh, i'm just looking up uh, i'm i'm going to wing it again last like last week i don't remember exactly what we discussed because i didn't have a chance to go through the recording again so um, last week i think we covered uh, shlokas 13 to uh, 13 to 16 if i remember right so there he talks about uh, people who are um, uh, you know in in the hold on a second let me just get to that shloka okay there he talks about you know in, in the previous thing he says that he is the uh, thread amongst the amongst the garland of uh, 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 amongst the gar- in the garland of in the you know jewels okay and then he says that people don't recognize me and they are deluded by the maya and then he maya is he says that the maya is propagated as three forms satva guna and satva guna rajoguna and tamaguna 
and he says that uh, these three modes of nature is very difficult for people to overcome but it it can be overcome by those who surrender to me very easily they can, they can overcome this very easily and then he talks about categories of four types of people who do not surrender onto him to understand this maya and to get over those that uh, uh, the maya jagat what we have so the four kinds of people i think he categorized in the last time saying that people who are ignorant of knowledge those who lazily follow their uh, lower nature and he is pretty strong in these words um, in chapter 15 in shloka 15 he says that those who are ignorant of the knowledge those who lazily follow their lower nature though capable of knowing me okay and those with deluded intellect people who know me but they are deluded and then the fourth one is people who are of demon, demoniac nature so people who have totally totally negative uh qualities than what we should be having to understand this so he kind of you know categorizes the four lower uh type of mindsets i would not call them people because that will be wrong to say uh what will be right i would say is that the lower mindset of people who can't understand who won't surrender to to bhagwan are these four categories ignorant of knowledge lazily following their lower nature and uh, uh deluded intellect and demonic nature and now in the next set of shlokas he's talking about four types of people who'll follow him but then for what reasons so with that i'm going to just pause and open up for uh, anyone to share their thoughts and comments on this four shlokas that we're covering today Rajesh, can I bring up a point here? Go ahead. It is, it is not totally like you know related, but God is the creator, as we know. Like we have heard that you know who is the created and what manifest, what unmanifest, all of this. So this body, mind, soul is how things get manifested. All of that we have learned. Now God is the creator and. Uh, Uh, not everyone is created equal uh, because he's just stating so if he wants everything to go well he he could have created it all equal and have like a happy path for everybody that who can surrender to himself and still lead a very happy life then then why didn't god being the creator like the the pot maker is the creator of the pot so so he decides to create like a like a pot with a hole or you know he decides a pot to be created nicely right then then why is it so different That's why the why the universe is is different is that the question Yeah I mean he's talking about all the different people who wouldn't listen to him in the previous sessions he said now he says who does listen to him Sh- shouldn't he have created everyone with the same intelligence uh, so that i i'm just talking about like a happy path <laughs> where everyone is happy everyone has been created with the same intelligence and everything and he he is the creator like so why did god 
decide to create uh, like a pot with uh, like different pots. All pots should be created by the creator uniformly. Great question. To kick off this discussion, I think it's a great question. Isn't this sort of linked uh, to what uh, I can't remember who was it, Krishna or Subhu, who explained that creation has the, um, the general cause, which is the Samanya Karan, uh, where God has created the universe and the nature in perfect harmony and everything is all good. And then there is the specific reason, which is linked to our karmas which leads us into who we are and uh, and and therefore while the creator has created a perfectly balanced sustainable universe uh, it's really the jivas uh, who because of their action and karmas have chosen a certain path and that is then uh, evolving over time into where we are right now and which he himself cannot fix it. And he doesn't fix, I mean, he's basically, you know, once he, once the creation has been done, then the law of karma sort of takes over, as, I, as, I, as how I see it. I mean, the creator's work is done, and then it is really in some sort of an auto mode, uh, you know, run under the law of karma, good, good, bad, bad. And so that's how the sort of the whole process of evolution of, humans begins with the ultimate goal to achieve moksha which is which is this whole path of going from the four dushkritis that Rajesh just mentioned and then on to the stages of surrender which is the sukritis uh, and eventually getting to a point where you are able to cross that sea of samsara and, and become enlightened. I, I have a small story to share, uh, Shantai, uh, let me just, uh, there's a very interesting story, uh, I think it's in the Skanda Purana, okay, um, not just you, but the Lord himself, Lord Kartikeya, you know, uh, looks at the world one day and he says, you know, what kind of a world is this, you know, people are doing good, bad, everything, and you know, uh, this is not a perfect world, and he gets into a fight with Brahma as to why have you created a world like this, right? With good and bad. It gets into an altercation between Kartikeya, Kartikeya is Lord Murga, okay? And Brahma, and in the, in the, in the, in the, in the ensuring argument, what happens is Brahma is imprisoned by Kartikeya, okay? So he puts him behind and he says, I will create a world now, which is the perfect world that it should be, okay? So Kartika then manifests and, you know, he creates a world and uh, nothing happens in that world, okay? <laughs> because everybody is like a jnani, okay? Everybody is sitting and there is just no action in that world, all right? And it, it comes to Kartikeya's understanding and Lord Shiva comes down and, uh, you know, explains to him saying that, listen, you know, if Prakriti is there, there is a reason for it to be there and Prakriti is, means action. 
and for action you need to have the qualities of the you know gunas you have the sattva rajas and tamas etc right and then he's obviously given the free will and then finally this thing sub, sub, you know subdues and uh, brahma is released and it there is accepted okay saying this is what it is right and uh, so so therefore if you're seeing good and bad in this world i think it's because i think there are happening can you hear me yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so when you see good and bad, I think it's a manifestation of the gunas, right? So, what has happened is that while prakriti means action and action means the you know manifestation of the gunas, etc., it also means that there is a dharma, the underlying stratum on which things have to be done. Now, the problem is because of our you know various selfish desires, etc., that we are motivated towards the external world. that these manifest into certain aspects which are too selfish nature by itself and creation is there it is it's a pure form it's a selfless form right but from there we have started becoming more selfish because of our own desires and our intention to do you know something for ourselves which is what has manifested into good and bad yeah in the world right and which is the reason why you know we are supposed to follow the path of dharma and it's 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 a maya in itself but I think the story is a nice story for the you know topic that you have taken as a question. Yeah. It's good that you remembered that story to connect to the question I asked. <laughs> I, I will try and see if I can get the link. Huh? I remember yeah. reading this some time back. Very interesting on you know. Uh, But then what happened? So 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 coming back to that, right? The question is okay. We we surrender to God. We pray that okay. Give us strength to endure. both happiness sadness everything in this world and we straight away ask for moksha right not even the other lokas and everything we pray for moksha let's say we ended up in the other loka after this what what is the rules and regulation what is the dharma that will be followed in that loka because there is the, the you do come back to this loka from different lokas until you reach the brahma loka that's what somewhere we read before so really on a day to day basis we are praying for for us to have that mindset to respect everybody uh, treat like you know others the way how we treat uh, want, want to be treated and then we also say like okay Uh, give me strength to endure all of this this is what i know that i have to go through this but i'll go through this give me strength to this but also pray for the next loka but i don't even know what's in the next loka or this so uh, sometimes i get confused of what am i praying for and then <laughs> you know just leave it like that uh, uh, i just wanted to bring that point No good point. Just pause that question for a second, and we'll see what Spurti has to say for the previous uh, question that you had. Um, I, I just had a follow-up question. I, I think um, I had read this in the group as well. Um, so uh, I, I understand the part where we can say that you know whatever situation we are in now, the circumstances we are endowed with in this lifetime, uh, they are a result of our previous karmas. right um but uh, i guess like when the creation is done all of us are endowed with the same qualities we all start on the same platform at the same level how is it that uh, you know all of us end up so different um 
um to kind of elaborate like um if if um if if i'm starting something where like all the variables are the same i would expect the result to uh the the final result to come out to be like equal right but it it doesn't seem to be the case uh with human beings like why is it that uh you know uh, if if we are um doing different karmas it means that something in uh in each of us should be different which is making us do different karmas like uh, e- even at the first step um if all of us have the same amount of sorry i'm i'm simplifying it overly simplifying it if if all of us have the same amount of uh, sattva rajas and tamogunas how is it that we end up doing different karmas how does one person end up doing good karma and how does one person end up doing bad karma anyone want to take a shot at it it's a related question i mean i i'm i'm not sure whether i mean i don't think so that everyone is created with the same mix i mean it's a you know it's like the you know what what kishore describes as the the red blue green palette so everyone is 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 sort of different in terms of the proportion of the gunas potentially and and that proportion also changes over time it is not like constant right and that is at a certain level a function of the kind of actions that you perform right uh so i don't think i don't think all jeevas are created equal okay the the broad sort of universe framework is all is created which is never which is, i don't think it's it's equal the universe is create, created in equilibrium right mm. and then and then sort of the the universe takes over and then as subhu was nicely explaining it's the gunas it's the is the fact that you know the desires are there and different people have different desires and there's an offshoot of a variety of uh, sort of actions and outcomes and then that leads to that whole diversity of the world so i think yeah i think you 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 said it yourself i think you probably oversimplified uh, but uh, but yeah I, i think i think it is it is more complex it's certainly more complex than we can comprehend just to add to whatever is being discussed now um you know there is a even in the yugas there is something called satya yuga you know dwapara yuga treta yuga and then you have the kali yuga right um if you read uh, satya yuga satya yuga was you know uh, satya saiba we used to say dharma was resting on all the four legs okay right people would be able to leave their houses open and there would not be any theft right people spoke truth people were giving charity in arms so whatever you're saying in terms of you know the satwa in the person was you know heightened to a large extent okay then came the treta yuga okay uh, where you know uh, dharma as one leg of the dharma actually broke okay so dharma was resting on three legs and not four legs okay and uh, that was a time where in the treta yuga the good and bad started to live in the world but they were in different colonies okay you see the treta yuga the rama was in ayodhya ravana was in lanka okay just to give an example right then came dwapara yuga where the good and bad okay became part of the same family you had the kauravas and the pandavas you had krishna and you had kansa 
his uncle was a ferocious person i mean the king who was like you know uh, disreputed for various things etc and you had krishna born to him as his you know kamsa uh, was his uncle right right so good and bad existed in the same family so dharma was now resting on two legs right in the kali yuga he says dharma is resting only on one leg okay and today the good and bad is in the same individual there is nobody who is truly good and there is nobody who is truly bad okay so even osama bin laden if you were to say he is an antichrist or he is you know a person who killed so many people etc etc he prayed five times a day right so so the good and bad is there in the same individual right even us uh, so that's why i think the 6.5 shloka makes a lot of uh, sense to us in kali yuga na udare atmana atmana right you know finally identify your lower nature and your higher nature and try to move yourself forward yeah i think it makes a lot of sense in kali yuga and um, you know so so just to give you a thing that even as the evolution happens right we have come from a satya yuga to a treta to a dwapara to kali yuga today and again the satya will start right so evolution if you see 7.19 right the shloka that we are doing today i think in the 19th shloka he says that evolution is a slow process you know it is so many janma so many karma so many things that we have done over multiple births that we have accumulated that we are actually experiencing the fruit and today we look at it and we are not able to understand right in some way karma theory doesn't explain everything in full <laughs> there is always this scope for you know uh, something which is uh, the unknown yeah so, so i think all... uh, if you look at it from the so not all parts are created equal see i wouldn't say that i mean i don't know whether to say that or not uh, i think when we evolved if you look at satya yuga satya yuga was this one but then there is this concept of gunas and free will right yeah so i think that's where exactly you know consciously or unconsciously sometimes we deviate from the path and we have to face the actions and consequences of that yeah right i think that's that's how i see it um and uh, this will also pass and we will also evolve we will also grow forward you know but i think 7.19 tells that this process is a very slow process you know yeah. it takes multiple births to you know come to a state of even recognizing and being a jigyasu the way we are <clears> looking <throat> at scriptures for learning and understanding it takes time for this also yeah. hey by the way janta don't be so judgmental about the previous session and categorize me in one of those fours Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. One. We are judgmental of each one of us ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, Rajesh. I think that's the the right attitude to take, right? I think if we have to really be judgmental, be very critical about yourself and your progress. You have no right to say anything about anybody else. Yeah. I was just kidding. So uh, you know, no, 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 let me uh, let me try to you know. Um, uh, share what i what i feel right so uh, uh, shanta you know you, you start off with a great question the point is uh, first of all uh, you know we have to realize that this is all maya so whatever that we are in we are talking about in actually quote and quote quote really truth does not it, it it is not the truth it is it is the maya it's, it does not exist so we are talking within the non existence or the apparent existence about the reality relative reality of that that's number one point second point is uh, you know uh, why is it not a perfect world the question is who is asking that question 
the person who created this world knows it's a perfect world. Okay, but the person who is saying it is not a perfect world has a opinion about the world that it's not perfect. So it is us who have an opinion about this world. And then we also have a, that's actually, you know, a second creation in our own mind. Okay, the, the person who really created the world, if at all there was this world that was existing, has made a perfect world. But the person who is interpreting this particular world because of the five senses and the mind is interpreting and lay, layering our own opinions on this world that, oh, this is not perfect because I don't see it this way. Okay, and then it goes back to Subhu's question. Okay, then one, one becomes Subramanya and then one goes and creates the particular world. And when one goes to create that particular world, we have our own practical experience every day in the night. And Spurti, to answer to your question, not everything starts in the same white sheet. It's not tabula rasa. In the dream world, what we do every day, which we create, I don't think that we create all the characters. I don't think we create all the scenes equally. Why? Why don't we do it? We have the option to create it. Do we create a perfect dream every day? No, we don't. And in the dream, the person who is running behind uh, something in the particular dream, which is being heard, who is being chased by a tiger in the dream, that person will obviously feel, oh, tiger is bad for me. But the real person who has created the dream does not think so. Because when the person wakes up, when you and I wake up after the dream, what do we do? Do you get scared about the tiger? Or do we get scared about the desire that's chasing us in the dream to chase behind? We don't. So basically what, what I'm saying is that I, I think, you know, assuming that whatever that we see out there in the world, the universe is true, assuming, okay? What we are trying to do is we are trying to put a label in our own mind and categorizing things as good, bad, ugly. And that is the problem of the gunas which got mixed within us and which is exactly what Bhagavan is saying. It's very hard for you to overcome. Intellectually, you'll never be able to overcome this unless until you surrender unto me and say that, okay, this is, my mind is limited. My intellect is limited to understand your creation. Therefore, help me understand it. Okay. And now, uh, there's another thing, Shanta, that you asked about, uh, you know, uh, what am I praying for? I mean, am I praying for going to another loka, which I don't even know the other loka? First of all, I think, you know, all of us are, the way that I am, the way that I would say it is, I don't think that we would want anything if we really don't have an idea about it. Honestly, that's the reality of it. That means our idea is formed in some fashion or the other about Swarga Loka or, you know, some other Loka or I think Swami Guru Parananda uses this. He says that, uh, you know, a lot of people go to the US because they think that uh, whatever they read about US is that all the roads are paved with gold out there. That's why people go to the US, he says. I mean, he, obviously he's exaggerating it. But the point is very simple. The point is there is a particular knowledge. Whether it is right or wrong, that's a different question. There is some sort of a knowledge about something without which it's impossible for us to desire something. Okay. So, I mean, is praying for Sarkaloka good, bad? That is not the point. The point is, 
what is it that you think as an individual that that is called, that you imagine as swargaloka and is that good enough for you and if that is good enough for you you pray for it if there is not good enough for you why would you pray for it or if you don't even know that swargaloka is uh, abc characteristics why would i even care i mean i don't know that there are uh, more than 195 countries in the world i i really don't i don't even know i don't even want to go to a particular country because i don't even know its existence i think krishna also brought this point out right um you know i need to realize that at the end of it you know uh, you don't need to uh, really have moksha to be liberated you know you can it is just a transformation in the way you bring about yourself right to attain uh, uh, the state of moksha it's not a, a destination that you know you need to sort of it's a transformation within you which is actually to take place yeah. So, yeah. you know it's Thanks, like everyone. Uh, beautiful beautiful explanation like it's like saying you know uh, you know heaven is a place on earth right like so finally end of the day we think that you know heaven is somewhere else and we are here and we have to go there etc etc but end of, end of the day it's all about uh, the, the the mind that you you know the thought world that you actually create for yourself which will help you to get liberated being here in this uh, life itself you know it doesn't have to be you know once you pass away or anything like that yeah and and i, and some... I know I, this this movie uh, god almighty uh, sorry bruce almighty is an amazing movie you should watch it you know if you have not watched it in the recent past jim carrey's movie uh, jim carrey morgan freeman okay actually jim carrey you know goes and asks the same question saying that this is a lousy world you know give me the powers to create a better world and the, and this uh, um what's the guy's name morgan freeman who plays the role of god the god is yeah. in that power and you should go and see how he creates a mess out of this whole world and if you watch the movie intently right you will actually see that the director has brought out saying that jim carrey is trying to create a world that he desires but god created the world without the desires there's a huge difference please watch that movie it's beautiful Rajesh, after I asked all these questions, I was thinking in my mind, maybe you will move me back to the first chapter or something in Bhagavad Gita. Say, go back and read from chapter one. I was I, honestly, Shanta, I was about to say that because you know, in chapter one, that's exactly what uh, uh, you know the problem that uh, Bhagwan was trying to solve, saying that you are labeling that these are my people. You are labeling. That's because it, the problem is your attachment, your likes and dislikes is the problem. therefore we have to solve that problem and then he is going back to you know explaining that i agree with you i think uh, that's what i, I had in my mind but i think i forgot <laughs> i think um, in that 60 uh, you know 7.16 right when he talks about the four categories of people um, these are some of the points that came to my mind uh, you know examples right i was thinking about what kind of examples would suit different you know uh, you know classifications that have come by so the first one the one who's dissatisfied right and who uh, sort of who reaches out to the lord at the time of distress you know draupadi was an example right 
where she completely surrendered when she was being humiliated in the you know uh, you know in the palace the second example that came to me was uh, kunti right uh, mother kunti uh when krishna asked her what do you want she said dini sorrow so that i'll be having a chance to remember i'll never forget you okay i think those were beautiful you know uh, outlooks to take to be able to bring god into your life and be constantly you know in tune with him uh, jigyasu i i thought the example which came to my mind was uh, you know something where what i read was swami vivekananda you know somebody who really sought out to you know gain that knowledge you know from narayan to vivekananda entire transformation is about this quest for knowledge to you know move from there to here of course the third one i think all of us follow you know we need money wealth you know position building house this that etc i think all of us follow there and yani is of course the the ultimate uh, where i think there has been uh, you know very few people who have actually realized uh, brahman itself in the in the birth and i think the next two three verses which talks about the gyani uh extols a lot of things about him in terms of qualities right what is the quality that is foremost required for a gyani right to become a gyani is i think he talks about a lot about fixation and steadiness right so ek uh, bhakti which he talks about right so i think that steadfastness is extremely important i think what is the difference is see all the four i was just trying to understand all the four actually uh turn to god for everything that they want in life but the difference is that jnani is fixated and steadfast in this approach yeah so he is constantly in touch with the self and the brahman and therefore uh, becomes the brahman itself i think we have read this in many uh, topics right uh, that he is not just the knower of brahman but becomes brahman himself so that was the third thing and the last thing which i took over from this thing was uh, uh, the fact that this evolution is a slow process right i think uh, that's what he says in 7.19 uh where he talks about the fact that you know uh you know first of all to get a human birth itself is a big thing right so you have started on probably as an organ i don't know how we started because we don't have any memory of the past but we have traveled a distance and to be a human being itself is a big thing and to be a human being and uh, be able to you know uh, have rational thinking and accept god etc is the second thing the third thing is to be able to not just do that but also take to the study of the scriptures uh and uh, which is something that all of us are trying to do and of course he says it is not about just uh, being satisfied or studying scriptures but it is about living the scriptures right so 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 that's that's where the next transition of the fourth stage comes into place where you know one turns out to be the gnani so ideally this entire transformation again falls into that karma yoga upasana yoga gnana yoga before you finally start to you know uh, travel the distance to the So these were some of the takes which I had, uh, Rajesh. Yeah, and no, beautiful, uh, super well summarized. And you know, honestly, I think chapter sixteen, uh, chapter seven, uh, shloka sixteen, is a powerful shloka because it's a constant reminder to our own selves about uh, where where you will fall in the ladder uh, uh, daily. And the way that I think about this thing is okay. Uh, I and I'll go back to Shanta your question, right? what is it that i am praying every day for or every moment for okay and if i were to just step back and take note of my daily prayers by by evening let's say hypothetically i write a notebook okay about what all i want and then you know imagine a, a chat gpt kind of a thing which summarizes all of them and buckets into all these four categories then you know that you know you're not just one type of 
you, you don't have only just one type of prayer. You do have four different types of prayers or maybe multi-different prayers of uh, different categories, you know, I mean, different uh, prayers, but then each of these prayers can be bucketed in one of these four categories, which is more predominant at one, one particular day or one particular time in life dependent is dependent entirely on our own mindset of development. So, I mean, uh, super to your point, yes, you know, yeah, we, we would have taken millions of birds to get to this, get to this thing. But, uh, uh, but even in this birth, even within this day-to-day -day practical thing, right? I think despite our, despite our ourselves, when I say ourselves, you know, despite our knowledge that we are not, everything is Maya and, you know, we are Brahman, we do have prayers which are related to the Maya world. Correct. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it though, because having a prayer yeah, yeah. is good. See, this is, um, I think uh, one point also which I wanted to share is, uh, you know, this is this example of, uh, I think we have discussed this before also, between a housefly and a honeybee. Okay. Um, so, you know, most of the times, um, you know, we are like houseflies, right? Um, so the houseflies is, you know, if there is a, you know, a bucket of sweets, it will sit on the bucket. But if there is a bucket of trash, it will go and sit on that also. Keep alternating between the two. Whereas a honeybee will be very selective in being able to get the honey from the flower that it is. And it will only sit there and it will take the, you know, uh, thing out of it, right? So I think in our efforts and our endurance, I think we need to be more like a honeybee than a housefly. That's that's one. And uh, uh, so so that's what um, uh, this is one example I just thought I would share. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Subhu, interesting in your initial comments, you mentioned Vivekananda as a Jignasu and not a Jnani. No, uh, somebody who wanted nothing to Vivekananda transformation. Oh, okay, okay. No, I would not be anywhere, anyone to comment on Swami Vivekananda, but I'm just saying that Narin, it is there in one of the books I read, okay? It's there yeah. in one of the books I read. Uh, so it's the Narin to Vivekananda transformation, right? So he came, when he came as Narin, he came with the quest of knowledge. He was an atheist. He didn't believe, right? He wanted to know uh, who God is and who this God is. So can you show it to me? This is the question he asked Ramakrishna, right? Can you show that God to me? And he says, yes, it is possible. And then that desire that Jigyasa, the thirst for knowledge, etc., Transform the way uh, he moved from Narain to Vivekananda. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lovely uh, there's, there's a small anecdote about him going to Ramakrishna uh, and knocking on his door, and Ramakrishna's apparently said, "Who are you?" And Vivekananda said, "That's why I'm here to find out." So yeah, so he was obviously the the Jigyasu kinds. Uh, I mean yeah. that he was at that stage of his evolution where he yeah, was yeah. a seeker. I mean. There's another sort of, in the spirit of all the examples that you've given, uh, there's also this example that Swami Chinmayananda apparently uses, which is, you know, you've got to go through each. So it's not like four kinds of people there. This is just an evolution of how people evolve. And he takes the example of the chewing gum. And it says, when you are a artha or a artharthi, you are like looking for happiness and security and, and fulfillment in the, in the material world. Um, but then after a while, you realize that, you know, the, the gum has lost its uh, its uh, sweetness. And, and so you, so at some point, you kind of spit it out and you say, okay, this is all fine, but 
who am I? I mean, you know, what is who is God, right? So I think that that inquiry, the self inquiry, self seeking, sort of comes at some stage once you've gone through it. But you have to go through it to be able to get to a point where you say, well, I I've tried all of this, it doesn't work. I need to do something different. Then you go to the next stage. And you could be you could be the same. I mean, I was you know I, I've been sort of just down with with sort of seasonal flu for the last few days, and just sitting in the sixth bed, you know, I kept thinking I was I was reading this this chapter uh, off and on, uh, just to keep myself occupied. And I I was thinking to myself, I said there was a time when I was like, God, just get me out of this sickness. It was a complete artha, right? Which is I just I just need help. I mean, I'm miserable. I need to get out of this. And then. As I'm sort of lying down, I'm thinking that, you know, just give me better health. This health needs to be, health is important for me because with, without good health, I'm going to get, I'm going to be in a bad place as I grow older. So that's the arthartha, you know, you've got a future expectation. But then I also realized an interesting thing that when I was going through my worst uh, day, worst night where, you know, you fever and body ache and all of that stuff and you're kind of saying, where, where, where does this end? Just reciting some of these... Uh, these, these um, you know, hymns, um, whether it's Nirvana Shatkam or whatever, right? Or some of the Gita Shlokas, you know, it just gives you that internal power and just kind of, in a way, sort of reflects the, the power of, of seeking, right? Um, obviously, Gyani is like a step too far at this point. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but one question which sort of, uh, from this verse 16, is that we've talked about four kinds of bhaktas, right? The jnani is somebody who has discovered that I am the Atma, I am Brahman, right? They're Jeevan Mukta, right? Why is the jnani still a bhakta? Or why, why, why is he classified as a bhakta still? I mean, he's already morphed into, into the real self, or at least has discovered, not morphed the wrong word again, has discovered its real self. It's kind of, it's it is it is Brahman, right? So what is the bhakta angle to it? Is what I was struggling, or is it that is 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 jnani bhakta the process of moving from jigyasu to jnani? Okay, are you asking that? Are you asking that he could come back to the jigyasu state sometime? And no, no, no. All I'm saying is that he's already become a jnani. He's already he's already his true self. There is no more illusion right and so what is he a bhakta of because he is is he a self-bhakta i mean i'm just trying to kind of understand that sort of loop because i'm already god or you know my true self which is what we are bhaktas of at a certain level at the nirvana level i guess so why is jnani still a bhakta sorry a bit convoluted no, I think, you know, Ajay, that's a good question. But, you know, I think Swami Chinmayananda explains it so well, right? It's like, it, I think he talks about uh, one-sided love and uh, two-sided love in, in his explanation about that. At the end of the day, you know, it's uh, Jignasu. I mean, if you take, I mean, technically, if you take these, let's say, four ladders, the four different steps to the ladder, right? I, I know I'm wrong, but I'm nevertheless, just to answer your question. Yeah. So... Jignasu is someone who is one-sided love to God. Okay. God loves him, but he does not know that God loves him. Okay. Whereas in the fourth step, the nani, 
Gyani loves God, God loves him, and both of them, it's both of them know each other that yeah, I love you, you love me. What does it mean? It just means that you know there's no difference between both of us. Exactly. Exactly. So you know it's it's the same, right? Because that they've they've become the same, right? Yeah. And so why does it remain a bhakta? I mean, no, you are talking of a person. You're talking at the point of time you say Gnani is a person, but the point is Gnani is not a person. Yeah, that's what I meant. Gnani is a principle. So each one of us can be Gnani at a particular point of time when we say, okay, I think, I, I, you can't even say I think, at this point of time, I know who I am. But then something happens and you, something shakes, the Sattva Rajasthavas shakes within you and then you get out of it. Okay. But there are yeah. times when you will say, oh, I know what it is. I know no, exactly. You know, you, you know, you get to a point where you say, I know what, what it is, right? I'm done, right? I am I am Krishna, whatever, right? Uh, and so I've kind of already made that transition from Jiva to whatever, right? And and you know, if you look at 17, 18, and even 19, you know, Krishna is actually extolling the virtues of right he says it's very he's very dear to me and i think this is the two-way love thing swami p talks about the fact that the biggest love is self-love and therefore once you become once you realize you're the self then that is the highest form of of love and therefore it's the most uh you know krishna likes that the most but my point is that all of this is good but you know, once I become a jnani and I know it, that switch has happened, I'm beyond the three gunas, etc., etc. I'm self. I mean, so is is it like self-bhakta? What do I become? When you say jnani bhakta, I mean, like, am I, am I a self-bhakta? I mean, I'm just kind of a little bit... But I, I thought, like, you know, you, you've reached no that. No, if you're saying self and you're pointing it towards yourself, then that means there's a there's a dichotomy there right because there's no different there's no this or that at that point of time exactly so i'm saying it is it is like you know one oneness right so yeah. you know yeah i mean yeah it, sorry, it might be semantics but yeah just just curious yeah i don't think it is uh, uh, semantics at that point of time the person the mind of nani does not exist as a separate entity there anymore for it to start labeling anything in this creation Okay, fair enough. No, I, I get, I get what you mean. I mean, it's just uh, technical thing. Because you don't need, okay, to, right. you know, just because you know, one knows that okay, you are there is an entity called Atma within us. Okay, that gives us the that gives us the knowledge, but the knowledge does not bring in the transformation to live that particular knowledge, and then the transformation happens over a period of time because the transformation is for the mind. It's not for that knowledge. The knowledge is. Yeah. Knowledge does not need to be transformed because it's permanent all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. There are one or two references uh, again in 5 and 4, uh, page 5 and 4, where he says, see, actually when he says this 7.16, he says that there are four kinds of people who worship me. Okay. When it comes to the jnani, he says, while everybody else has a reason for worship, right? The jnani doesn't have a requirement for anything. Yeah. But he says in 5 and 4 uh, page, that is, he invokes the spirit. Okay? He worships so that he can annihilate all the self-destructive channels through which spiritual dynamism, uh, dynamism gets us out you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. Right? So in some way, 
the worshiping of the Lord is to ensure that uh, you are fixated on Him, right? Uh, there again, we are saying that He's already fixed, fixated and steady in terms of His, uh, you know, approach, right? And um, once a jnani, jnani expresses himself, uh, you know, in the day-to-day world in the form of bhakti and prema. Okay, for a bhakta, uh, without jnana, it becomes a crutch. You know, that's what uh, you know uh, VK has spoken about in his book, right? So he says that uh, for a bhakta, that accompaniment of jnana is extremely necessary. Otherwise, it's like a man who's you know blind. He doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, right? But he continues to be you know in uh, uh, in the stage of bhakti. But for a jnana, jnani, he says uh, he can only express it through prema and bhakti. Okay, and that's how he sort of expresses himself. Okay? And if you connect, uh, sort of compare it and you know uh, collate it with say eighty, he says, you know, for such a person, you know, I'm uh, he's verily him, right? Uh, and he regards himself as his own self. That's the uh, 7.18. The man of knowledge I regard as my own self. Okay, so finally it is like one entity and uh, not two. But the expression of that entity is in the form of bhakti and kema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 just take the example of Bhagwan Krishna himself, right? Bhagwan Krishna is the jnani, but he's embodied jnani, and he he whatever he does, he's just expressing that embodiment of jnana, and he's doing so many things, different things, you know, right from uh, right from you know playing with uh, uh, with, with the people around there to you know vanquishing demons to guiding Arjuna. He's doing multiple things. But there's no difference between him and Bhagavan. It's just an expression. He needs that principle needs as an long expression. As, as long as you're in the in the body, yeah. you are still in Bhakta. Yeah. Hmm. Correct. 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 So that that's where you know uh, so coming back to this discussion, right? You know uh, this is how I used to think, and I don't know if I still think that way or I've changed, but here is how I think, right? I think if you know, if one has gone through chapter two and it has clicked in one's mind, okay, saying that, uh, you know, there is something beyond this body, mind, intellect, and that is me. If it has clicked in that particular individual's mind, I think that person is, I would say, is a gnani at that point of time. But it may not, it may not manifest itself in this, in this, in his or her actions, because of the um, the mind that's that kind of you know starts showing up its ugly head and saying, okay, hey, I want this, I like this, therefore I'm going to exercise the power what I have to get what I want. And over a period of time, you know, like the chewing gum example, uh, over a period of time, you realize that, oh, I think I'm just being stupid by asking the thing what I want. I should just let the divinity to flow through me. And then that practice is a sadhana. The sadhana is not for the knowledge. Knowledge doesn't need any of that sadhana. The practice, the spiritual practice is to overcome our own sense of limitation because of which we are kind of you know expressing that you know the universal divinity into limited way within our own circle 
Hey, Ajay, uh, I just came across this line in the commentary of uh, Shloka 17. In the case of a Gnani, the spirit is invoked not for the acquisition of anything, but for the annihilation of all the self-destructive channels through which his spiritual dynamism gushes out day to day, only to get wasted on the dry rocks of the world of hallucination. Hey, you're on mute, Ajay. So that was OHT for me, but still, I'll, I'll need to read through it again. <laughs> 17, Shloka 17, the second paragraph. Right? I, 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 I will read it. Yeah, I, I, I... I think, you know, uh, what I would suggest is, you know, maybe when you're reading this, go back again to chapter two to understand the Sthita Pragya Lakshana. And I think you'll find a lot of similarities between this and yeah, yeah, that particular part of the section. I think that uh, that thing about unflickering, steadfast. Um, ah, mind, yes, that was that also was something, right? Nani, he says it is like steadfast. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, it made me go back to to whatever fifty something. Hmm. I think uh, if you read the line before, I think he talks about the reason to be, you know, uh, not being an extrovert, right? I think uh, post that is when he's talking about the annihilation of the self-destructive channels. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So, if you view it in that context, it's about uh, not letting your energies getting frittered away through uh, your karma indriyas and yana indriyas, but keep it actually inward focused in the you know realization of the self. That's how I took it. Right. No, no, Subhu. Uh, that is. Uh, that's how I would. That's not how I would. I would interpret that because their extrovert beings. Oh. The word. The word. The, the word uh, in the second paragraph in that. Five and four, right? This is possible only when one withdraws oneself totally from all the extrovert demands of the lower nature in him. Okay, it is not about you, the gnani being extroverted. It's about gnani exerting their their independent desires in this world. That is extroverted nature. Okay. Yeah, so it's a different dimension. I I, I don't read it that way. Okay. Yeah, because it's the Gnani does not have any uh, independent desires. He's just, uh, you know, his mind and body, his mind and intellect is tuned to act out what needs to be done in this world uh, by him. That's it. Because in some way, actually, you can connect this journey to Sadhana Tapasya, right? Yeah. Starting with, uh, yeah. 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 Basically, uh, dissemination of this passion. So, when you're in the world, you have to have this power of dissemination to be able to know what is, you know, uh, right and wrong and what is the right way to travel. Then you have this passion and then you have the discipline of this and then the desire to move forward. I think yeah. you can link yeah. it up there as well. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, you think about this, you know, if you take the example of Bhagavan Krishna, Bhagavan Krishna was not. Inward focused at all. He was totally, totally outward focused. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think there is a, there is a, you know, I think chapter six, I think, where, where he says that, you know, uh, uh, the person who is a realized soul can move amongst the masses in good, bad, everybody, etc., without getting impacted. Correct. That's, uh, Correct. That's, uh, that's Correct. the story. Correct. All right. I think, uh, what's your prayer? For the day. What's the prayer? What's your prayer for the day? 
It's a question for reflection, not for answering. If anybody wants to answer, answer, no problem. Well, but I too felt like what you and uh, Ajay mentioned. Um, what we pray for varies over, over the time that you're going through in this world of Maya, right? Uh, sometimes you are drawn towards something, right? Sometimes you want to get out of distress. And when everything is going well, then perhaps you're thinking about what am I doing? Why don't I, uh, you know, get on this path of seeking the true knowledge, right? So I think it is it varies over as long as we are still connected to this world. I think we will go through different um, different kinds of worship. The third, the fourth one, of course, is uh, class apart, right? Um, uh, that's different. But the other three, I think, are intermingling at least in this Kaliva when Dharma is on one foot, like Subhu said. Uh, initially, we all become... Uh... You know, uh, taught in this, right? That you pray to God and you will pass your exams. You know, it starts from that, right? <laughs> and then, and then after that, you know, you want to then you, it works. Then suddenly you start to believe that okay, you know, you can start doing this. So we also start with a lot of desires, and nothing wrong with that. But I think uh, as we progress and as we start evolving, you know, the way we do, our nature of worship and our demands also change, right? And finally, at some point in time, I think the idea is to say that you want nothing but Him. Yeah, and everything else is uh, in that uh, transformation. Yeah. And it's a process of evolution. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a definitely a process. I mean, uh, and, and you know, I'm not sure Uday, if uh, we, look, we, we seek only when things are going well. Uh, it's probably even otherwise because because things are not going well and you realize the futility of that cycle of seeking happiness, right? You kind of also get to a point where you say, well, all this is fine, but this is not going to give me, take me anywhere. It's not going to give me lasting security. And so you begin to seek. So there is a bit of a do loop going back and forth. But as I was explaining, I mean, I went through, I think all three at a certain level. But then I also was trying to be, trying to reflect back and saying that, you know, are we in these plus four, as I call it, right? But what about those minus four, the, the what's called the Dushpati, I think. And, uh, and, and you realize that sometimes one can default into that also. You can get deluded. And I was trying to think as to what, you know, I, I, you know, one can get deluded when there is some intense anger right? And you become irrational in your thoughts, right? So it's not as if we are all in the plus one, two, three zone. But at least certainly for myself, I can say that there are some times when I'm deluded and I'm like, you know, what the hell kind of a feeling, right? And then, yeah, I mean, as the anger sort of goes away, you realize that was silly and stupid, but it is not as if that doesn't happen. See, that's why for a bhakta, uh, forbearance is an extremely important virtue. You know, forbearance is to be able to take the good and bad in the same stride, right? Exactly. And believe exactly. that, and believe, and believe that you know this is what uh, God has thought best for you, and be able to accept it. And it's not easy. 
see when things happen for us we are very comfortable ha you know god is good and nice and everything and when things go wrong you know this is not working i mean this is not right and this is not fair right uh i think i think that is something that we need to cross right and uh, forbearance therefore is a very important uh, word and it's absolutely. not easy it's not easy absolutely yeah. and, and we need you i'm absolutely with you when you say you know that sometimes we deviate as well right you not uh, necessarily in this part all the time so that's what the hostler and the honey bee you know sometimes we are hostlers right sometimes we are sometimes doing... absolutely i i love your example subud about the the hostler i mean even the yeah. uh, thing about uh, the other one was called the demonic uh, approach right the asura bhava right and asura bhava I, interestingly the root word is somebody who is uh, who's kind of influenced by the senses uh, so it, the word the is instincts, yeah. asusur ramante iti asura so who revels in the senses and there are times when our you know either because we are high because of you know some success or whatever we do get carried away by our senses to the extent that we may not think of god right at least i'm talking about myself sorry um no no it's time for most of things we're, we're still sort of going through the plus 1 2 3 and maybe even the minus 1 minus 1 minus 2 that zone so it's still a, a spectrum with the intention is to move right as much as as, as often as we can See, that's what in Kaliuga, I think one of the remedies which has been spoken about is uh, Nama Smarana, you know, right? Sometimes we do have vices, right? Uh, let's say, for example, I have smoking as a vice. Okay, I'm just saying, I don't smoke, but I'm just saying, I have smoking as a vice. Or I have a habit of drinking, or I have a habit of, you know, indulging, or whatever it is, right? Um, but if you were to, you know, it's like what seed is planted inside is what grows out as a tree, Correct? Uh, so I, I think there's a very nice story. Somebody, you know, takes out a mango. He presses and he says, "What is it?" You know, uh, he says mango juice. And he takes an orange and he presses it. He says, "What is it? What comes out of it?" He says, "Orange juice." And then something else after he squeezes it. What comes out of it? Apple juice. He says, "Then if life was to put you through this test that you are going through, what comes out for to you is what is inside of you. So if if life puts you through stresses and you know pain and suffering, and what comes out of you is anger and hatred, is that is what is inside of you, right?" and if what comes out of you is you know prema and bhakti and that is what is inside of you right so i think one needs to uh, understand that uh, thing you know yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah. so i just uh, left this, uh, forgot my train of thought uh, yeah so ajay um, you were talking about anger and sometimes we we get there and do things in anger right yesterday i'm coming off from uh, listening to rudram and one of the first things one of the uh, i was listening to sridhar sent me a recording of swami parmarthananda later on about rudram which i had listened long back and in that he beautifully says you know he says that rudram is got some 11 chapters or something like that okay the first chapter is uh, 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 the last uh, okay the the middle portion which is like almost about eight or nine chapters is all praising bhagwan shiva okay and and the last chapter is to ask for something saying that okay i praised you now give me this stuff right the first chapter is to saying that uh, uh, when, you, uh, when you start talking to bhagwan you say okay how do you look you know you then you describe the bhagwan and one of the things that you describe shiva is uh, you know you say that uh, shiva you look uh, uh, angry because and because he is the uh, 
lot of anger. Shiva is a lot of anger. Manyu Pataya. Manyu Pataya. That's the word. Manyu is anger. Manyu Pataya is a lot of anger. So you you say you look so angry. Don't be angry on me. And then you start praising him. And then you. It's a very beautiful thing. I'll forward that uh, to them. But what I'm saying is that uh, 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 both in uh, you know. And now I'm a gentle plug plugging in Sandhya Vandanam here, right? Every day when you do Sandhya Vandanam, you actually say this. Okay, you know. You you acknowledge that all your actions are coming out of Kamaha and Manyuhu. Okay. And then you pray, saying that you pray to the desire, the karma that you have within yourself, and the anger within that you have within yourself. And then you say, Don't be influenced, I should not be influenced by these things. You pray for that. So it's a sort of I think uh, Spurti, you wrote on, on the chat, you know, we need constant reminders and reinforcement. So my plug is that, you know, after doing Sandhya Vandaram for one, almost a year now, it's like a daily reinforcement to start, you know, not to do certain certain aspects to devolve into that previous sloka of four. It does happen still. But, uh, you know, absolutely. No. <laughs> that, that, that constant reminder and yeah, just not to get deluded is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think Namaskara, that's the point I was trying to say last time, is that Namaskarana is exalted to a large extent in Kali Yuga as the simplest and easiest way by which one can, you know, stay away from the clutches of Maya. So, yeah. so even if you have vices, like I was saying, if you were to just forget everything, whatever is happening, you continue to do Namaskarana for a period of time, be it in the form of Jata, Tapas, or whatever it is, be it uh, Gayatri Mantra, be it uh, Hare Krishna Mantra, or be it, you know, whatever your dearest deity or whatever it is, you continue doing that, you will see that, you know, without suppressing, your vices just leave away, you know, just leave you. Yeah. Right? It doesn't, it just it doesn't have space when you tend to sort of, you know, uh, indulge in uh, purification of yourself by Namaskarana. It doesn't have space there. So it, Sort of just uh, you know goes away, so there is no need for suppression here, right? I think uh, sometimes when we, you know, that's what I say. If somebody wants to drink, okay, go take a peg. It's okay, it's fine. You know, but if you can continue to do namaskarana, you continue to do certain japa over a period of time, you soon find that you know those things will you will not have interest in those things as much as you had probably earlier. So that's the power of. Uh, the Kali Yuga. It says Kali Yuga is very difficult, but at the same time, it is the most simplest because Namaskarana is the tool. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to narrate one story here. I watched a movie recently. I don't forget. I remember. Don't remember what movie I watched it. It's a movie about a guy, a guy who goes through life and where he finds love, but he does not acknowledge that this his wife is uh, uh, good for him, and he kind of you know, ill treats her and all that stuff. So. Uh, so the, the the entire movie you know begins off but with a kid okay planting a mango seed okay in 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 an open ground in his village or whatever and uh, uh, the first few scenes shows that you know the kid is playing or playing and all that and every day in the morning he goes to that seed digs that ground and sees whether the whether what has happened to the seed and there's no dialogue nothing in that movie in that part of the thing right so and then it, and then suddenly fast forward he grows and then he, he goes to college and then blah blah gets married and then um, you know then he does not he does not treat his wife nicely and all that stuff and then finally one day the wife decides to leave and go okay and then he's he goes to his uh, he thinks that he's the wife has gone to his hometown and then he goes back i mean he's living in hyderabad it's a gold movie do that okay then he goes back to his hometown where his mother is living 
and then uh, he goes and asks his mom saying that did uh, she come here and uh, he says no go i don't think she's come here go look around if she's there and then he goes around goes around everywhere and then he goes exactly to that spot where he has planted his ma mango seed and you know time has passed right 20 years 30 years whatever right there he does not see that mango seed anymore but there's a huge tree which is there okay which is giving enough mangoes out there then it strikes to him saying that oh shit i should you know if i have planted love it takes time for it to come so you know and and i think all the while i was mistaken by you know in my relationship as to how i should to deal with my wife and now it it has to take time and so now then he and then i mean the story goes on into banal stuff and all that but i really like that refrain it is every time he keeps on going back and looking at the mango tree has it grown has it grown but the mango tree has not grown but it has taken some time for it to grow i'm watching too many movies of anyway very nice but you're able to link the movie to the vedanta principle right so that's it chashma pehna hai ise yeah just like just like uh, ketu kind of connects the shlokas from here and there here to there uh, rajesh is great at connecting movies to vedanta <laughs> but definitely bruce almighty is a movie that i would recommend you to watch it yeah especially in the context of what we are discussing now it's a amazing movie rajesh maybe you can go around and ask other people for their views because i think absolutely i just realized that everybody has uh, access to raising their hands on the digital side so please go ahead we have 10 more minutes so anyone with your comments thoughts on these shlokas 16 to 19 no questions rajesh this is vidya uh, i have not read these uh, shlokas in depth <laughs> just coming back from india uh, but i i would just narrate one of the incidences that i had in um, india while visiting parthasarathi swami temple uh, like how subhu and you all discussed about you know having no desires and just the desire of uh, you know surrendering and thinking of that lord uh, that's the experience i had so i i went into the temple um i had many constraints and i'm not going to talk about the constraints but when i went there one of my cousins said you know it's so crowded i don't think we can even we would have the chance to even go and you know get the darshan so i said at that moment i just said no i will i just said that and the crowd started moving 
and they just moved so much that I, I could directly go and just see the Lord right there. So it, it was it was just no desire of, you know, no desire of asking for anything. Just go and pay a visit. And it just opened up in a, a beautiful version. All sanadis, like not just one sanadi, but all sanadis I was able to uh, go and see, even though I was just last minute, very late to the temple. And that really uh, was, was such a great experience. Um, and I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't think of anything. And then when I came from Ramar Sanadi to in front Hanumar Sanadi, um, they were doing puja and um, prasadam was being distributed. And suddenly somebody said, oh, where is Vadamalai? And the pujari went to get the Vadamalai. And I was just standing there. I was the first one standing. And he looked at me. And just from my mouth, it just started coming, this gotram and that gotram. For what reason? I have no idea. And then I realized my, my music teacher had told me to uh, actually pray for Anjaneya for certain things. And there was no, it was somebody else's desire. And that just came out from my mouth. And why it came out, I had, I was just so astonished. And the whole Vadamale, they gave it to me. And um, of course, I, I brought it back here to Boston and gave it to Anubhava School of Music. Um, so so these are the things that, that you guys are discussing about, you know, from 16 to 19. That for us, you know, as an individual, I, I don't have to have a desire. But if I look for or just think about, you know, the Srishti or the whole, whole universe form and everything is one, then for others' desires also, I'm the vehicle to pray for and bring back um, prasadam. So it was, it was just so, so amazing. And I just wanted to express that, uh, what I, I, I felt there. Wonderful, Vijay. I, you know what? Um, sometimes, um, you know, uh, what what I can sense from this is the fact that you know we bring God into our daily life, you know, and when we are able to sense how He works for us, right? Every small thing, then you can able to sort of associate with this play, right? Uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing, right? It really turns out life is then really beautiful, you know. Um, and the second part I wanted to tell you was uh, sometimes what happens that, like you said, right, um, you know, you did something for somebody else, uh, then you become the instrument through which he actually plays the role, you know, for somebody else as well, right? So I think right, beautiful yeah. Things, uh, yeah. I think one is to see God in, you know, every action that, you know, manifest in front of us, whatever it is, right? Um, even, even you know, when I was young, I was told this by my parents, my grandparents and all that. Even if I have a fall, they would tell me, you know, hey, Teresa was a rich, you know, the Petra Bimba. Okay, says that, you know, what was supposed to be a big fall, you know, you might have had a big accident, you know, but, you know, you just fell off and see how you improved and see God's grace. You know, that's the kind of thing that grandparents and all instilled in us, right? And somewhere what you then get to sense is that, Everything that happens around you, you know, everything is just, uh, you know, you, you are able to connect it to, you know, uh, divinity and God, and then life becomes uh, divine itself, right? And it's very beautiful. And then you see a perfect world. Right. And I think it's, I'm very happy about what you said just now with that. All the best. And, yeah. and, and it was so amazing that 
you know, in uh, I don't know who, how many people know about Parthasi Swami Temple. It's like you first go to, through Ram, Ramar Sanadi and then you go through Ranganatha Sanadi and then you come with uh, inside to see Parthasadi and come back to see Anjaneer, which is just in front of Ramar Sanadi. And then you go out and see Tayar and then um, Vardaraja Sanadi and then behind Yoga Narasimhar, then again Hanumar and then Godai and then you come out. So it's, 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 and it was amazing. I usually, I'm not into, I don't remember for each Sanadi what to say, but this time I was able to say, when I went to Rama Sanadi, I was able to say the shloka for Rama. When I went to Ranganatha, I could say the Ranganatha Rashtakam uh, composed by Adi Shankara. When I went to Partha Sanadi, I could say Kamalaku Chakrasturi. You know, it was just amazing that it just came out of my mouth. Um, and and i totally attribute to our you know satsanga because it's it's brought up the clarity of each god is is up above high and we are that right so it it when that concentration is there it just comes out there is nothing there's no um, there's no comparison between one god that we are thinking about and then when we go to the next and the another it it is just coming out yeah. So when we compare about, oh, we are worshiping this person or this God or that God, there is no comparison. It's it's just right there. And your mind is like focused into that concentration of that particular deity. And that experience was again amazing to me this time. Yeah. And Vidya, since you're talking about Parthasarathi Temple, one thing that I noticed is that, uh, and I read this also somewhere, I believe that's the only temple in India where Bhagavan Krishna is depicted with uh, moustache. Yes. And that oh, okay. day was, so we, I went two times because the, during September, uh, not September, um, April time, my grandfather and grandmother have uh, given Tirmanjanam for Ramar first and then for Parthasarathi. So I had to go two times this, this uh, in, in one week. And, um, I could just go inside. I was let it inside Parsardi, and that day the mustache was so beautiful, like so Gambiram, um, as if he's gone to Kurukshetra to fight, and he's with Arjuna, and his face was so evident with all the will, you know, um, that that portrait of such a such a big warrior, but the calmness of that warrior um, and the, the, the truth, the absolute truth that is there. It was just so evident in, in Parsadi temple. And if I recall right, I think the uh, two parts of the moustache, one is black, one is white. If I recall right, I could be yes. yes. I mean, there's a there's a symbolism in, in, in that. I don't know all the symbolism. Maybe if anyone of you goes to Chennai next, you know, do check it out. Maybe ask that priest or whatever and share what what the symbolism means it's a temple another, in yeah part yeah, of the temple, temple is like it's like one of the yes it's in triplicant and it was amazing that uh, i was standing there in the crowd and um, i was not let into the ranganathar sannadi and uh, one lady comes and her name was sumati and she said, no, you should cut the line and go. I don't know why she was telling only me to cut the line and go. 
I did cut the line, opened the gate and I went there uh, and I said my ashtakam and came back. And, and the, the lady who runs the temple, she kind of looked at me and really scolded me. But when she scolded me, it was full of compassion. I only felt compassion. There was nothing wrong in her scolding. It was just that one lady was telling me to go in. The other lady scolded me why I went in. Uh, why I did all that, I have no idea. And also in, in such a big rush uh, with so many people out there. Then one police man comes to me and he narrates um, about uh, Ramanuja. And the whole story of how he went 18 times to get the diksha and the 18th time he gets it. And my mother had said the same story just the previous night. Why should that police person come and tell me? I was like, it was a very, very different experience. I've never experienced this. And then the policeman comes and accompanies me into the Parsadi Sanadi inside and says, you can stay here. And he, wow. I, was, I was there for like 10 minutes. There were fully everything, you know, you, you see everything. I, it this was is such a serial thing. This is the omnipresence and omnipotent in the Lord. Yeah. Exactly. It was like, I cannot forget that lady Sumati. I cannot forget the other lady who was the... the, the you know. Things only happen to you, right? Somebody comes and tells you something only about something. You're correct, correct. Anymore, right? so and the next moment I turned... Was, thing, right? Yeah. And the policeman, I, I didn't see him afterwards. He should have gone... I don't know when he went and I never saw him after that. That was another thing which was the next time when in three days I came back again, I did not see that policeman. I was surprised. This is called very, the Leela of Bhagavan. Very, very surprised. But it was just uh, just amazing and very, very, very good experience. I just wanted to share that. Lovely. I think in Bhakti, the most important part is the feeling that you have, right, for the Lord. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, you know, people may actually, actually, tell, I'll tell you something. There are a lot of times people may say, "Hey, this is another person. It's just a coincidence. Something happened." Etc. It's not like that, right? Uh, it is and, not like uh, that. And 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 um, to be able to feel His presence also. Is a blessing, and I think uh, keep that feeling intact with you. I think uh, yes, and of... always think about that we are vehicle to pray for others. It's not for us that we are praying; that we are praying for others uh, is. Uh, I, I think I I could just see that power uh, this time when I I never prayed for myself or any of my family members, but I just prayed for everyone's uh, well being and. It was, it was definitely, you know, saying is one thing, doing is another thing that has a, a different effect on, on, on your mind, your intellect, that we all are saying. All right. 7.31. Any last comments from anyone who have not spoken in today's satsang? Okay. We can all say the prayer and conclude. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santuniramaya Sarve Bhattrani Pashyantu Maa Kaschit Dukkha Bhagavad
Enjoy the weekend and we'll continue next week. Okay. Thank you. 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 Th